Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday. I am somewhere in the vicinity of Louisville, Kentucky this morning, getting ready to head over to the truck show later today. Might be rolling in there a little late this afternoon. We'll see. I got a bunch of stuff going on at this show I'm excited about. But I also see that uh, you guys are getting the hang of this. I'm just getting started, and I have uh, six calls on the line, which is awesome. So I had an open. Um, uh, I'm going to skip it. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, I didn't have a lot. I'm going to get to the calls and find out what's on your mind. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're getting them screened right now. Make sure. Okay, there we go. Yep, plenty of calls, so I'm going to go right to them. We're just going to find out what's on your mind today. We're also doing something a little different, and the reason I did it was because sometimes I don't have calls right at the beginning of the show, so uh, you can always post questions in HealthyTribe or TruckingTribe.com as well, and I'll try to get a, a new post up every day so you've got some place to do it. And uh, once in a while, I'll check in and I'll see if we've got any questions there to answer. Uh, We've got plenty here on the line with us, so we're going to get right to them. We are going to start off today in Dallas. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, Kevin? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Well, I've got a uh, 2011 Dodge Ram. It's a 6.7 Cummings. And um, I just am only – I'm struggling to get uh, nine miles a gallon out of it. And I What do you pull it? Um, it's, it's a trailer. It's a um, 14-foot trailer. It um, usually has about three tons in it. Okay. What's the uh, – 14-foot's fairly short. What's the shape? Yeah. Is it a flat front? Um, yeah, it's a flat front. Um, it's a uh, dump trailer, so it's you know pretty square. It's a box basically. So anything we can do to improve the front of that trailer at all? How much higher does it stick up higher than the truck? Yeah, probably. Um, oh, maybe a foot, foot and a half taller than the truck itself. I've got a camper you- shell on that truck. Would you be able to put some sort of a nose cone kind of thing on that trailer? I might um, know because I have a tarp that goes up over it, and they would interfere with that. Um, would it make a difference if I put anything on the on the back of that shell itself? A camper shell on the truck? Maybe. The problem with aerodynamics when we're kind of experimenting is it's really mm-hmm. hard to test. Um, okay. but I can tell you that, that now let's, let's ask this, what's the, uh, fuel economy on that pickup if you're not pulling the trailer? Um, I can usually get about 13 if I'm not pulling it at all, you know, and I have enough time to, to, you know, take it, it easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're not losing a well i mean it sounds like a lot and i guess it is a lot when you're only getting nine and you could go to 14 that that's five 
Cal, that's that's more than fifty percent. That is big. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I forget when you're down in small numbers like these. That's a big, big difference. So we do want to work on anything we could do to improve the aerodynamics. If you could get some sort of a nose cone, something to soften the front of that profile, that helps a lot. Could you possibly put air tabs on the back of it? Oh, yeah. I would do that. Here's one of the things I was able to figure out. With with my FJ Cruiser, got a little V6 in it, nothing major. I was pulling a 10-foot trailer. It was the first little show trailer we bought to run around the shows. And I liked to drive that vehicle at about 65 miles an hour, 60 to 65. The problem was with the trailer, at that speed, it would kick in and out of passing gear over and over and over all day long. Uh, you'd get a little wind, and you'd feel it shift down. You'd hit a little grade, you'd feel it shift down, and it was just annoying. So I either Uh had to run up to 70, and that would do it, or sometimes I could slow down, but I put air tabs on it, and that stopped. Wow. It was was one of the first times that I was able to see a really noticeable change by doing that. Normally, we say air tabs are a great product. Everybody loves them. Probably not going to measure it in fuel economy, but I think you would. I think you would actually see a noticeable, measurable difference in fuel economy because, again, we're on a much smaller – go ahead. You're talking about the very back edge of the trailer, right? As close to the back edge of the trailer as you can get them, right? If if they have to be, say, even – five or six inches forward for whatever reason mm-hmm. to find a good surface, they'll still work. If you get much okay. farther forward than that, probably not. Um, yeah, they're I pretty inexpensive. Yeah, inexpensive, easy to put on. And on a trailer and a setup like this, that could make a big difference. So Okay, just Google that's, that. Yeah, that's probably yeah. all we're going to be able to do on the trailer part, unless... You know, if we wanted to try some sort of a little wing on top of the um, tray or on top of the cap, uh-huh. I just don't know what and, we would get. Uh, uh, I do have a, um, a camper shell that's on that bed of that truck, and so would it be better to put it on the back edge of that camper shell, that wing? If if we could, the the problem with the wing, when I talk about them on trucks, I tell people just stay away from them. They, they okay. can actually mess up the aerodynamics because what they're doing is they're shooting it up and over the trailer. And wow. if you think about a truck fairing, it starts to move the air up, but then it curves back and tries to match the top of the trailer. And that's what we want. We want that airflow to stay on top of the trailer. In in aerodynamics, our goal is to get the air to stick to the surface of the vehicle, not to break away from the vehicle. When it breaks Uh away, that's when you get turbulence. So, again, think about the front of a truck. We hit the grill. It flows over the hood, flows to the windshield. If If there's a fairing there... It'll flow over the fairing, and then it follows the line of the trailer top. But if you put one of those wings, what are you doing? Well, yeah, you're stopping it from hitting the front of the trailer, but you're shooting it up and over, 
And that's where all the turbulence is going to be, right up above the trailer at that point. So if you could find some inexpensive wing or deflector of some sort and just play around with it. we That's what mm-hmm. I mean about aerodynamics because it's always going to be kind of different. We're never really a lot sure. Of but I, yeah, I, I would play around with if you could put some sort of a deflector there. Then okay. we can go to the truck. The problem for me in the truck is I understand all the physics of what we need to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand right. any of the products. I, I've oh, just okay. never worked with them. You know, I, I would have to say that my first recommendation, and again, this is without a lot of testing, just reading and talking to other people, I would start looking at putting some Banks performance products on this, like a tuner, um, almost anything that you can do to that engine for performance will improve fuel economy if you drive it right. Okay. Okay. So if you go to like Banks, is is the one that I know of. They've been around forever. They have a great reputation. I kind of think of of Banks in the in the pickup truck market, like Pittsburgh Power in the truck market. They've been oh, around forever. Okay. You know, good reputation. But again, I just I'm not very familiar with their products. I I would go on their site and look for anything that they claim improves performance or fuel economy, and I'd probably mm-hmm. try it. All right. Uh, great. Yeah, are you using that's, the that's um awesome. how many miles are on this truck? Uh three hundred. Wow. Okay, so you've got some miles on it. What year? It's an eleven. Oh, so you've got emissions. Are you running the catalyst? Um yes. Okay. All right, good. That that will help. Yeah, so I'd start with aerodynamics on the trailer. I'd move on to uh, banks on the truck. And I would think that we should be able to pick up two or three miles to the gallon on this. Okay. Wow. Okay. That'd be, that'd be amazing. See, I, have an, uh, it, I have an 09 also. And, uh, you know, it it was just killing me on the emissions. So I took, you know, I deleted it. Um, I, on the 11, for some reason, I never have emissions problems with it. And it's well, not that's good. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's good. Now you're using the catalyst. You probably won't have any, so that's actually a good sign. Okay. You know, I, I don't know what your business plan is or your model going forward, but I can tell you that I've helped a lot of people move from pickup trucks to semis in operations like this, even without a lot of weight. My um, the my 99 Volvo that I built for fuel economy, and when we put the toy hauler behind it and we had the smart car in the toy hauler and we had that thing packed, we were over the weight limits all the time on that trailer. I used to tear up axles and wheel bearings. and um, But we had that truck sometimes getting like 13 miles to the gallon at 55 miles an hour. Wow. Wow, yeah, and I'm local. I do um, construction. Uh, oh, okay. Work. Yeah, it, yeah that, probably not ideal for a semi then. I, you know, I was thinking of okay. this. I've helped a lot of guys that pull, you know, RVs and campers and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, car Cars yeah, yeah. on a, you know, a single incline. But local, yeah, the semi's not going to do it. It's um, yeah. just a little too awkward and, and for I'm that in, kind of stuff. Yeah, and in the construction sites, you know, it's 
you know, you almost need the four wheel drive, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we'll just keep working on this one for fuel economy then. Right on. Well, I appreciate all that, uh, all that insight. Hey, you got a second? Sure. Go ahead. Um, so I've really been looking at, and I, I was listening to your program yesterday as far as what you're doing on the, the new, um, uh, diet you're trying to create. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of, um, so I drive over the road also, uh, about six, 7,000 miles a week, every week. Um, and, uh, 57, it's just kind of like now I'm starting to really notice the pains, wait, aches and pains in my hands. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Did yes. you just say six or 7,000 miles a week? Yes. Team. Your, your, oh, team. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah, first, right. I'm like, wait, yeah. wait a minute. I, <laughs> You're violating. Little, it, it's early yet, but uh, I okay, got it. Yeah. So all right. Yeah, yeah. So you're starting to get some pain in your hands. Go ahead. Yeah, and you know maybe arthritis. You know I don't know. Um, knees, hips. Um, I've got. I've started a stretching exercise for oh probably the last year, year and a half now. And it's helped with my hip pain, but my hands, I'm just like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. So, so I didn't know if what yeah, you were talking so, about lately, that would do it. So stretching routines, I've played around with probably five different stretching techniques. I mm-hmm. feel better when I do it. I like the flexibility that it gives me, but one thing it didn't do for me back then and really doesn't do much now, it doesn't really tend to make much of the pain go away. Some of the mm-hmm. stiffness, but the pain, the pain's inflammation, and it's dietary. It's probably not arthritis. Okay. It's just inflammation caused by the standard American diet, which is very inflammatory. Eliminating grains is usually all it takes. And when I say all, I know that's a big, big step. But I've had a lot of people not even really say they're paleo, keto. They just cut out grains. They, they eat anything they can in the diet without grains and their pain usually goes away in about three days. It's incredible. We've heard that story over and over and over. Now I will tell you this, that like I was talking about yesterday, as we kind of tweak and develop this diet and the pattern is we keep eliminating more and more foods. The first step was eliminate grains. Now I'm Mm -hmm. down to, um, like I said, I'm eating all kinds of fatty meat and lots and lots of fermented foods and that's basically my diet meat and fermented foods and not only did my weight loss kick in again i mean i'm i may end up losing too much weight like this um but everything else feels better and it's minor for me because i've been eating really really clean for about eight years i didn't think there was much more to improve but everything got a little better with this and the weight started coming off and I wasn't even certainly wasn't trying and it took me a while to notice and then this morning I looked again and I'm like I I think I'm still losing weight well when you're talking about canned um, meats the other day I started thinking about this and trying to get do this where where would you suggest I get canned meats at do they have them everywhere No, they don't, actually. And part of the problem with canned meat, the stuff I can find on the market, it's either really poor quality, hard to find, and expensive. 
So really the best option, and I know it sounds like a lot of work, but we teach people how to can their own meat. Now you control the quality, you control the ingredients, you can make. So I'm doing not just plain meat anymore either. I'm doing kind of like meat stews almost where it's going to be shredded meat by the time it's done. I might put in some green chilies or some onions, some things for flavor. I'm going to start adding leeks because that's good to feed our our, uh, gut microbiome. Uh, You can season it. Then I finish it off with bone broth. Now I open it up. It's kind of like a stew. I dump some kimchi or sauerkraut over it, and that's a meal. It's ready in two minutes. I, I just love eating this way, and the results are pretty incredible. We are right before COVID changed the world, I was working with Joel Salatin and we had a project. We wanted to figure out a way to start canning high quality meat and make it available. And even if it was only in our store, um, Uh it it was just the the whole food supply chain went to hell over COVID. It's still a mess. So it's just hard to find a, what we need to find is a co-packer. Um, and I, okay. once we get through this, that that's a project I'm still really interested in, uh, and we may yeah. work to try to bring a um, a product to market. Uh, I'm going to cut you loose. The phone lines are slammed today, and I just want to get to the calls. And I, I'm going to warn everybody. I know I hate to do this on a live show, but uh, I'm expecting somebody to show up here at the RV, and it's kind of important, so I may have to interrupt something. Uh, and we will only be going to noon today because I've just got a lot going on. Let's go to New York. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Jeez, uh, I had to start taking notes. Um, how, hey, how's before, your internet today? But I, it's really spotty, so I'm a little worried. Um, and, and I'm kind of shocked. This trip, it seems like I'm fighting with Poor internet. When I say poor, it's like really unstable. Like I'll park, I'll test my speeds, they'll be really good. Later on, I'll test them and they'll be awful. And it just jumps up and down. It's it's harder for me on the internet now than it was 10 years ago when we went mobile the first time. So the good news is Aaron finally found me a Starlink setup and he shipped it to Ohio. So it looks like when I leave here, I'm going to be heading back up there. Uh, It's actually going to be there on Sunday. So right after the show, I'm going to head up there. I'll grab the Starlink, and I'm thinking that's going to fix my Internet problems. Now, I got to tell you, you you got to be careful with those posts. That one this morning, I wasn't even awake yet when I read that one. I almost almost injected coffee out my nose. I, I wasn't going to bring that up on the air, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. That one was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, um, yeah, well, it, just my experience. I don't necessarily blow through my my data. I'm grandfathered into an unlimited Verizon plan, and it will, like you said, it will throttle on tethering. I think, but not directly through the phone, but. I've, I think a lot of – I think sometimes you'll just end up on a tower. You're not necessarily being throttled, but there just isn't enough bandwidth on some of these towers, I think. That, 
that's what seems to be happening. So many people have, have you are using mobile now for internet and they these people probably are buying these unlimited hotspots that are mobile, but I gotta tell you, I'm giving up on one of them. Nomad, I'm just gonna cancel my service and be done with it. Sky Mobile, I'm gonna give them a chance because they keep responding to me right away. And now they claim they're just gonna send me a new router because their engineers can't figure out what's going on. I'm a little concerned that it's not the router because I took one of my own AT&T SIM cards and put it in there and it works fine. Now that's not an unlimited SIM card. So I'm sure if I use that thing, I, I, I'm going to run out of data, but I don't, I'm also wondering, and I tried to talk to them, but it's only emails and I'm like, why do you think it's the router? The router's working. Well, our engineers say it's the router, and they tried to give me some technical thing, and I'm like, all right. But they can't tell me what day it's going to ship. So if you can't tell me what day it's going to ship, the only place I can ship it is home. Um, so I don't even – if I get the Starlink on Sunday, I'll deal with these you know, unlimited hotspots later. But um, based on what I've talked to other people, I think Starlink may be the way to go. Okay. Well, yeah, I hope that works. Yeah, it seemed like you were breaking up a little bit here and there and, and in places where I had signaled pretty well, you know, while I was on hold. But, uh, yeah, the the other thing I thought of while I was on hold, um, I, I know you had an issue with the coach, and I'm sure throw it out to the tribe. Um, I, I think I might have mold in my truck, and I think it's making me sick. Um, I had COVID and then I ended up getting strep as a secondary infection and I've been through like three rounds of antibiotics because it keeps coming back and I noticed I was great for like a week and then I, and I was out of the truck for a week. It was in the shop and okay. the first morning when I woke up in the truck, I got the, the tingle in the throat and the, and the. Uh, you know, a little bit of congestion. Yeah, so the first thing to do is get to a grocery store, a hardware store, and get some a big bucket of damp red. So the only way we can really get mold is if we have excess moisture, and that was what happened in the coach. We had a slide that started leaking when it was parked. Um, saturated some of the fabric up in the ceiling, had some black mold growing up there. Um, I'm pretty sure I actually, aspergillus is what I ended up with. We could, we saw it on a blood test. It was pretty high. Um, so start with that, get the damper in the trucks. So we can really try that thing out. You can also go on Amazon is probably the easiest place and you can get a mold test, a kit. And you'll just put it in there, if I remember right, it's a couple hours. After I got done, you know, redoing the ceiling in the coach, uh, we checked that, and it came back negative. I mean, that the same stuff that was outside in the air was inside the coach, but that was about it, and it was pretty minor. So, one, get it really dry. Two, test it. Uh, if it continues, I don't even know if it's worth doing a blood test. They were fairly expensive, and... Um, what we do diet wise really is try to overcome, um, with good bacteria. So we're back to fermented carnivore again. 
Let, let's load your body up with good bacteria um, to try to fight some of that mold you may have ended up with in your body. Good thing I got that last bottle of uh, deep immune, huh? There you go. Yeah, that should help too. <laughs> but it, but again, remember, as much as we like probiotics, you, you can get a whole lot more out of a lot of fermented foods and a whole lot cheaper. Right. Well, that so if you have probiotics, absolutely, I would take them. I would also get a lot of fermented food, and let's just make sure that the, that there isn't any mold left in the truck. Right. Um, well, that brings us right into the next topic. I, I feel like you answered this before, but I don't remember. Um, kombucha, that's fermented. I know you said everything fermented has to be refrigerated because the government says, but it really doesn't in reality. But then kombucha, we don't really have the salt in there. So do, do you do you refrigerate your Kavita? I, I do refrigerate it because I like it cold, but, and I don't know how long this would be okay, but I, I'm going to throw Lisa under the bus for a second. She's probably not listening. She has a habit of opening them and leaving them out. And like, I'll find it on a table the next day. And sometimes, you know, I'm not sure how long I, I drink them. If they've been left out, I drink them. I, I doubt that they would ever spoil, spoil in a way that would hurt you. Okay. Yeah, I, I, my thought, you know, is limited fridge space, and I have a fridge in the truck that I don't use because the battery issues and the seal's gone. But, you know, and then Costco has them for 4 bucks a case off, and you want to buy all of them, but you don't have room to put them somewhere that they'll be refrigerated. Yeah, you know, the... Um, oh, here's so I just looked this up because I never bothered to look this up before. But and I know we're talking about you know the internet, but it seems like there's a lot of people. Some people are saying it's good, you know, a month or two out of the refrigerator. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay. I was sure a couple of days were fine, but honestly, if something will last a couple of days out of the refrigerator, it'll probably last a month. Now they're saying after two months, they started noticing the flavor getting a little weird. But again, <clears throat> once we've got that much good bacteria in something, that that's really what preserves it. So it, it's really hard for bad bacteria to move in when you you just populated it all with good bacteria. So I'd be fine, you know, buying a case or two at a time and having it in the truck unrefrigerated. Okay. Oh, um, I, I want to flip back to internet real quick. Two more two more thoughts. When you're at an event like you are right now. That that gets really bad. I bet at the truck oh, show you can probably barely use your phone. It's awful. Um, You're right. The the more people and you know I'm actually in an RV park this year. Normally I'm right there at the convention center, uh, but even RV parks now, that their Wi-Fi is it, it's the most unstable of all. Um, it's one time I'll test it, it'll be screaming fast, and then three minutes later it's almost not working and 
the other problem you have when you're depending on somebody else's connection is sometimes they just reset the router on you and you lose everything for 10 minutes. So I can never depend yeah. on that. Now what I'll use it for, like right now I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of bummed. I'm not able to play my, uh, my best racing game on Xbox because it needs to do like a 12 gigabit download. So, oh wow, and it won't play until it does. So when I leave for the show today, I'm just going to stick it on the park's Wi-Fi and let it do it on that one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was going to be my other suggestion to you. You know, if you're somewhere like Pittsburgh Power where maybe you can get a, a good Wi-Fi connection that you could rely on, or honestly... You know, I used to be in IT, and I'm a little bit old school for a younger guy. I, you can't beat hardwired. You should have a 300 foot Cat 5 cable with you. You know, I I, I do. I actually okay. do. Okay. <laughs> and I have used it Good. before to to be out in a parking lot and run my cable into somebody's building that has internet. Yeah, I I do that. Good. Good. Um, okay. Last, last topic. This, I don't even, this, I'm going to be a little all over the board with this and it's going to be a, I don't know. I, I'm not bragging, you know, as, as Matt says, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm lucky and blessed, but, um, you know, luck comes to those who do the hard work also. Exactly. And yep. I, I, I just kind of fell into this, my, probably 80 or 90% of my outbound freight is through a broker and, but he's not a normal broker. He, he drives a Peterbilt every day. He doesn't even have the load board. I find loads for him. (laughs) um, He's he's a pretty old school broker. Um, And he takes uh, fixed, you know, basically industry average. Um, He takes like 15% and, and, uh, most of the loads, I don't even know what they pay. Uh, I just take them because I know they're gonna they're gonna be worth my while. And when I first started with him a couple years ago, um, I got got referred to a, a lot of the loads and the freight of, that I started doing with him. I really didn't like, um, but it but now it's at the point where I got my my you know gravy run gravy for me, which isn't necessarily gravy for you know, it's whatever you like. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, you know what? I want to jump in because I've got like three points already. You just started. But <laughs> that's one of the things I try to get across to people. What you just said, I, I got to the point where I found my gravy, the stuff I like to do. Well, if you're constantly using new brokers all the time, you'll never get to that point. That's a really good point that building the relationship is how you get to those things that you like that maybe other people don't or, or whatever. But when we're jumping around all the time to, to different brokers or, you know, grabbing stuff off the load board, cause it's a, looks like a good rate. We, we never get to the point where you are now where you've got a kind of almost a routine, you know, the stuff you like, but I, I want to go back to one more point. One of the things, and I've always said this, about why we're so successful with diet and health and keto is because people call and brag constantly about the results every single day. And then other people go, wow, if all these people are getting such good results, maybe I should go do this. And I really believe it's why we have 
more success, more testimonials, more stories than almost any other practitioner I know. And, and it's not that they're not good, that they, they have big practices, they help a lot of people, but being on the air five days a week and having this in front of people, and I bring it up because why do we cheer people when they call and brag about their health? But we have to apologize when we're going to brag about our money or our businesses, our success. I do it too. I even said the other day, you know, you know, we don't have Matt on here to brag. Why do we even have to say that? We don't do that with health. Why don't we just brag about it? Right. We should. Yeah. Screw what everybody yeah. else thinks. We're, we're here to help people, and we can help people by pointing out, look, this stuff really works. And it's not that difficult. Do the numbers, build some relationships, run it like a business, do the hard work, stuff we've repeated over and over. Why don't people call more and brag about the fact that they've done it and they're succeeding? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of it, it it's, a, it's mattresses and some stops you need to touch mattresses and that's an issue for some people. And, uh, um, Oh boy! Well, you know, so it's their light loads, which is awesome. Light loads, yeah, uh, right. Great, great rates. I mean, and we just picked up some new lanes. Well, they they picked up some new lanes. The shipper uh, that they asked us to do, and uh, one of them's going to Long Island, and it's like, I live. You know, I just said on a Facebook group, I live. This is just me. I live two hours from New York City, and I can count on one hand the number of times I've been to the five boroughs in a truck, and on another <laughs> right. hand the number of times I've been to Long Island in a in my twelve year career. It just it's not worth it to me. It, it, I, most of the time, I, now I get it. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I get it, <laughs> and I, I want you to finish your story, and then I'll come back to mine. But one of the best loads, and I've talked about it in the past. Two things about it seem odd. One, it was to Long Island, um, so I was there usually twice a week. The other one was I was hauling just sugar. And think about that. I, I can't imagine me hauling, you know, forty-five thousand pounds of sugar. Uh, but that—that's what I was doing, and it, I just put it together as an awesome load. I had a had a really great couple of months. I would do it every year around the holidays. And as much as I hated Long Island and Going through New York City traffic a couple times a week, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I don't, I don't refuse to go there. I just refuse to go there for a rate that's not worth my while. Exactly. And, and, exactly. Right. And I, and I want to know what I'm getting into. I'm not going to grab some TQL load to the five boroughs, but if if this broker wants me to go, I go. And, uh. So we picked up a lane, and the lane average is $1,000, which we just laugh at. Uh, I'm getting 2000 and <laughs> Yeah, and yeah that it's makes funny it worth you it. Mentioned, yeah, and, and, it, and I Googled the place. It's right by Cisco. It's, it's easy, it's, it's, you know, and you're going the same yeah. place. And, um, anyway, so... It's funny you mention it. I just delivered a load of sugar this morning in New York um, that I brought back from Michigan. I haven't been to Michigan in a decade, and the 
the furthest I've ever been into Michigan until this week was Detroit. <laughs> and I I picked up this load of sugar in uh, Saginaw, but that's the other lane we picked up. And that lane we stole from the other major carrier that's in there that does more of the longer stuff. We kind of do the short stuff, you know. I, I, I don't go anywhere. That's what I specialize in. Um, but still regional. But anyway, um I, I can't believe this. Uh, the owner, the owner went away back to where he came from for two months, and that's when all this. This is their fourth biggest customer that that we take this load to in Michigan, and the carrier that lost it was late the last ten times in a row. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what we're competing against, though. That's what makes this so easy. Yeah, and and I and I know we disagree on this, but I'm just going to throw this in there. That's why I love my ELD exempt truck. I never ever 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 late. But anyway, there, um, yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah, but, I get uh, it. And and I'm never late and uh, doing 60 miles an hour. You know, I never have to. Speed that's up. even better. Make it up. That's the, even. Yeah. That's right. That's even better. But, hey, I want to go back to one I, thing you said again, because I don't want to miss okay, it. Okay. When you were talking about the Long Island loads or the boroughs, you said I'd never take a TQL or probably you wouldn't take one from any broker you didn't know. Because we know right. all it takes is one lie, one you know, failure to tell me a detail, and the boroughs in Long Island can be an absolute nightmare. But this is the reason we build relationships. You trust your guy not to do that to you. And if he does, if maybe he's going to screw up one day and he's going to do it. He'll make it up to you. Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the so, so the Michigan, um, I, I said yes. I had no idea what the rate was. Would you go to Michigan? Yeah, I'll go to Michigan because I know it's going to be worth my while. And... But, of course, I did want to know the rate. I said, hey, what, did you come up with the rate yet on that? And, and he says, yeah, that's going to be – lane average on this is $2,000, I think. He said, uh, yeah, that's going to be like 3500 to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and, and I that even makes me a little nervous, like, with the shipper, like, wow, but you know what? Why? They right, called yeah. us because you know what happened, and they don't even ask. They don't even ask the rate. They just say, can you do it? And we, he sends them the bill. They and, they know uh, they're getting service. They know they'll get value, and there's a difference between value and price. That that's that's what relationships do. His relationship with the shippers, your relationship with him, his relationship with you, because he knows he can confidently go to his shippers and say, "Yes, it'll be on time," and he, because he knows he has guys like you that he can count on. Right, and and the other thing, there's there's an incredible amount of trust. I mean, I communicate directly with the shipper via personal cell right. phones. And yeah, perfect. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to cut him out. Why would I? Of course you know? not. And, right. Uh, right. You know, but, but 
um, I guess one more thing. I have such a good relationship with the shipper directly, even though it's through him, that uh, at one point, my my normal gravy run that I usually do once a week up to New York State, not to be confused with where we don't want to go in New York, um, the shipper actually had the capacity to do it with their own trucks at one point. And they said, you know what? This is Brian's run. Brian gets this run every time. Good. Good. That that's when things work. That that's when you get to the point where that's a win 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 for everybody. The shipper wins, the broker wins, you win. We get good efficient transportation. That's really our goal. Hey Brian, I'm gonna cut you loose. You know, without breaks, I tend to get long-winded on conversations I like, and I sometimes forget. We have got a lot of other calls I've got to get to. We're going to head off to Texas. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. What can I help you with today? I sent you an oil sample. I think I saw some this morning. Let me go see if I've got it. Uh, Would the name on it be Gary by chance? No, it should say Dry Creek Transport, I believe. Did you? I'm not seeing one then. Okay, I sent it last night to uh, sample. But anyway, what what they flagged? I've got uh, I've got about fifty thousand miles of my oil with the OPS, and uh, oxidation was at thirty. Uh, so a couple things we can look for. Before we talk about oxidation specifically, were there any other problems in the oil sample? A lot of times if it's just oxidation, we ignore it. If it's not yeah, causing pretty any much, other uh, Fuel dilution was at 2.7. This is N14, 2000. Okay. Um, viscosity was 18.6. 18.6? What do you have in there, tar? Uh, just fifteen forty regular regular oil. It's been uh, like for the last five samples, the lowest it was was sixteen two, and then it's been at seventeen and sixteen, and this one. Was Are you 18. putting Lucas or no some Luther, other? No, nothing. No. Nope. Nothing. What, what brand of oil? Forty Rotella. Something's way wrong. Are these uh, Polaris samples? Yep, yep, from your store. And how are you sampling at 25,000 miles? Yeah, even a little under probably. Like I, uh, this is, I've got a, I've got about hey, 50,000 on Huh? Here's what I here's what I would do if I were you. The the how often do you add oil to this truck? I'm averaging about 5,000, a little over 5,000. Okay. Uh, so you're putting it in on 600,000 miles. Before you put your next gallon in, I want you to pour it right out of the bottle into a sample bottle and send it to the lab. That viscosity out of the bottle should be in the 14 range. I don't know how you're getting to 18. What could be contaminating that oil to do that? So now I will go back. All to of the my samples since the beginning. Since the beginning of uh, of my, I mean, I've been sampling for almost three years. My uh, uh, 
viscosity is always that's where it's always is really bizarre about that like i don't think i've ever come across a situation like this so now i am maybe now has the oxidation always been kind of high or is that something new it's never been flagged uh well, one other time uh, it was flagged at a at a yeah, so, yellow so our most common reason for oxidation is the oil was overheated at some point and maybe not mm-hmm. enough to do a lot of damage to it but but it got hotter than normal the other thing is if oil sits for a long time it can oxidize but that's not the case here so i'm thinking somewhere does your do you have uh, gauges for both water and oil on this truck yes where's and your it, oil and temperature it's never, running um it never gets over 225 even usually we don't see oxidation until we get to like 240 or so but every now and then we'll find an engine that just has a hot spot you know like one oil galley that gets hotter than the rest of the engine and that's enough to increase oxidation so uh, but i'm not i'm not all that concerned about the oxidation cuz that's not what's causing the viscosity change because this is new and you said that's been going on forever i would love to just I, I, i'm positive when you pour it out of the bottle it's going to be in the 14 range i have no idea how we could be getting up so high in viscosity but that's not good i mean it it's it's harder for that oil to flow through you know smaller spaces um the oil's just not flowing what's your oil pressure on this truck um it runs but it's a, it's an N14 like i say and it runs between 20 and 40 20 at, which is at a 600 which is a, you know 600 yeah. rpm idle and it it is it, it is i think uh, i think it is a tick lower than what most people say it might need to be but i've changed well, the I, oil pump yeah i was going to say it's probably if it it's in a decent range for the N14 i don't worry about you know if you're 5 pounds lower than normal that that's usually not a big deal you're in a pretty normal range for an N14 i was expecting we might see you up in the 60s because the thicker oil will create more oil pressure. Mm, no, I I'm I'm no, trying to find control. some other indication that this oil really is that viscosity, but if it's happened all these years it it has to be right. But I can't figure out for the life of me what could be causing that. Well, I need to figure out how I look at the older samples, but like on this report there's five samples on this report from the past and the lowest was at 162 and they didn't flag uh, it at all yeah that, that's part of it i don't want to say the problem with the labs is they they've got to run on you know it's like a blood test from the doctor they have their standard ranges but good practitioners know how to look at things that might fall into a normal range but aren't normal and this is not normal this this that that is that viscosity is way too high for a 1540 and i can't figure out why uh um, so it is so it was 0.4 this time which is nothing and that's what we low. expect out of an N14 it's a really iron, clean engine 
iron is up to 60, but I've got, you know, 50, 50,000 miles on the oil. And none of lead the, the, was about a little the, higher. The, lead about was the only nine. things we see that will really increase oxidation, a lot of soot, like not 0.4, but like 5.4. Then we might see that soot will start to thicken the oil, but it takes a lot of soot to do that. Uh, yeah. Coolant intrusion, if we get a lot of coolant intrusion, sometimes we'll get a rise in viscosity. But there aren't many other things that will do it. Well, it said it said no action was required because I said I changed my filters, and the on the report it said no action. It was immediately required. But then also I'm changing. I mean, I've changed my oil with just the amount of additive oil I've put in so, it over the last fifty thousand miles. I've changed my oil. Should, so I was just going to say it, it should. You should. If there were a problem from the oil change by now, it's diluted so much you should have seen it come down. And my other question was going to be, when you get your oil change, do you physically see them poured out of a bottle or is it coming out of a gun? Well, I changed my own oil, so everything oh, I put well, in is out of a bottle. So. That, that's perfect. You know exactly what's going in. I'm stumped. I wouldn't worry yeah, about the oxidation, which was the, what they flagged. But I am still concerned low, about low, the viscosity, which surprised the me on the base. It it was well, uh, three five. Yeah, I'm 3. not surprised 5. by that, and there's a good explanation. At you know, if you're putting in oil at five thousand miles, that's we've got blow by. Blow by happens in both directions, and it's those combustion gases that can start to do that. So I'm not surprised by that at all i mean that number seems about what i would expect it to be uh it's just this viscosity that's that just is puzzling could you well, do this can you can you send me like the name on your polaris account and and yeah. send it to um support at let's truck.com and that way I can go back and look at the history and look at samples and maybe something will jump out at me. Okay. My mileages are a little off when you go to looking at That's that thing okay. because That's I've okay. screwed up my mileage. Yeah, not, that, that usually doesn't matter much. Um, I've got a pretty good picture of what this engine is, what the history of it is. I've just, I, I feel like I'm missing something and maybe if I go back and look through the history, I'll see it. Okay, so send you the name on the account. Yeah, and, and that should be enough for me to log in and find it. And if not, I'll just reply to you. But once I can get in there and see all of the samples, maybe something will make sense for me. Okay, support at com. Yep, that'll do it. And I'm going to cut you loose. I want to get to... Uh, more calls here. Let's go to Texas. Gary, welcome to the program. Are you talking to me, Kevin? I am. What can I help you with today? Oh, okay. Yeah, I sent you an old sample also. This is Gary. Yeah, well, now I know I have those because I have two of them here from Gary. Yeah, uh, one of them I sent by accident. I kind of figured it looked like it was the same one. Yeah, uh, submitted February 22nd was the one I'm concerned about. Uh, oops, that's not the right one. Then let me go back and grab the other one. 
see if this one is the right one. There we go. Okay. Uh, and that also gives me the other one on there as well. So uh, we've got, yeah, now I'm almost looking at the opposite. You have the same oil in your truck. T4, oh no, that's a uh, that's a blend, isn't it? T4? No, uh, the T4, I think, is not the blend. Standard. One. The standard oh, that's oil, right. T, uh, T5 is a blend. T6 is full synthetic. So you're at a right. T4, 1540, same oil as the last guy. His viscosity was 18.3 at one point. Yours is 12.9. Yours is actually low for this oil. And his yeah. was way high. I mean, we're so far off on the same oil, it's kind of crazy to me. Um, and I'm not seeing why yours should be this low. You've got a little bit of fuel dilution here, but and maybe right. maybe this is really true fuel dilution, even though it's only at 2.8% because your viscosity is starting to drop. Not enough that I'm going to get too concerned about it. Um and honestly, everything else on the sample looks really, really good. So I, I wouldn't do anything. Okay. All right. That sounds good, then. Yeah, this and, one, uh, I would just, just keep doing whatever you're doing. I wouldn't change anything. Okay. Yeah, the next one I'll do will be at 50,000 miles. So this is my first uh, oil chain or my first sampling that I've done at 25,000 miles. Oh, yeah, it looks great. So I did I did get to put an OPS on it, so. Good, yeah. good, yeah, just just keep running. This is great looking oil. Okay, good, and the other thing I've got, and I didn't send you this, I may have to send it to you, but I got my lipid uh, panel back. My okay. Work, and I was, and my doctor, she was really freaking out about my cholesterol and I do eat the way you uh, teach or whatever I do eat that way mostly carnivore for the last few months with some vegetables but mostly carnivore so anyway my cholesterol so, okay. what was it do you have your numbers in front of you I do okay let's uh, uh let's go over them what was your total first Cholesterol, I guess this it just says cholesterol. That would be the total, I'm supposing. Yeah, uh, if it just says cholesterol, that'll be the total. Okay, 287. What other numbers do you have? I've got triglycerides at 99. I've got HDL cholesterol at 59. And uh, LDL at 205. I'm sure she's freaked out about the LDL mostly and probably mentioned the triglycerides in the total as well. Yeah, she said, I mean, she just couldn't point how scary this is. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I'm liable to fall over dead or heart attack or stroke. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that, well, don't don't worry. Um, these kind of numbers don't scare me at all. Now, I will say there's some things we need to improve, but a, a, a statin isn't the answer. And that's her only answer, yeah, by the way. She has no, she nothing about. else to offer you except a statin 
and the statins right. will bring the numbers down so she feels like she's done her job. But all the research shows your likelihood of having a heart attack, a stroke, or dying don't go down just because your numbers go down. It, it, now, if we can get your numbers down through diet, your health will improve. Your odds will improve, but getting them down with a statin doesn't do anything except get them down. Well, what's the point? Your outcome isn't. And in, in a lot of cases, your outcomes are worse. So I, I do want to look at these, and we do want to um, try to make some changes. And, and my guess is, I'm going to make a guess, that um, you're probably what we could would consider dirty carnivore, dirty keto, right? You're not eating uh, pastured meats and, you know, no bad oils. I, and Now, no, I do eat some pastured meat, and I've got some venison. I eat that, but we do eat a lot of pork and that's bought out of a grocery store. We also eat right. meat that's bought out of the grocery store. And, yeah. and, and any time you eat in a restaurant, you're getting bad oils. And that's, it's almost impossible to avoid. There just aren't any restaurants that will cook with good oils unless you actually find a restaurant that claims they're paleo and that's almost impossible. Um, So that's where we have to work here. It's not your diet. It's not the diet yourself. Um, My cholesterol total last time I checked was about 245, but my HDL was much higher, which is what we want. My LDL was much lower. And my triglycerides were probably about 10 or 20 points lower. Um, So we could improve these, but it's just pure diet. There aren't any drugs. There aren't really any supplements that's going to do this. You just need to slowly work towards more of the venison, more of the pastured meats, and less of grocery store and restaurant food. Okay. And um, she also told me, she was asking me, what do I eat and, and what have you, but and I do eat a lot of butter, the NDK coffee, and, and a lot of butter. My wife fries what she fries in butter or bacon grease, but she said you need to get off the butter. Don't eat any more what, butter or, well, she's or just wrong. cut it back. She said, no, I I, she's I, just wrong. I, I, the I, butter has nothing. I, what would she want you to do? Just eat your, you know, not use anything, or does she want you to use margarine or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. And, yeah, she um, didn't bother to tell you what to use uh, because she doesn't no. know. All she's all she was told was that animal fats are bad for you. Well, okay, give me an option then. They have none. If she says vegetable oils, we're, I'm going to tell you to fire her, um, and that's probably what she would say. Um, but the butter is not causing this problem. I can promise you that. Uh, animal yeah, fats I are didn't... fine. We just need to get those animals raised better. Okay. And uh, the other thing she told me, asked me how much coffee I drink. Well, I, I drink two K-cups a day, which is in 10 ounces of coffee, of water a piece. So it's 20 ounces. And she said, you need to uh, really either quit your coffee or cut back. And the reason she said is because the coffee uh, makes my, uh, it starts with a C. What word am I looking for? Oh, my gosh. Um not cholesterol, right? Not cholesterol. Uh, well, I know uh, it, but I can't say it now. Which I think it's when you get excited and you. you what? Oh, oh, she, you're um, 
there's several there's several uh what's the word i'm now i'm looking for the word uh, to explain I'm, the word i'm looking for um yeah, I, I know the word i'm looking for too she, she's really it. probably trying to say that it's stressing you out too much that it's hard on your adrenals and well, oh cortisol cortisol i bet is cortisol, what she's talking exactly. about Yes. Yeah, okay, she I got said it. That, uh, um, caffeine spikes my cortisol, and you can. And she said you cannot get if you have high cortisol, you can't get your. Uh, your well, uh, well wait a minute. Wait, here's here's the problem I have with that. I okay. can promise you, I when right now I'm on one twelve ounce cup of coffee a day, and then I switch to bone broth. But there are many times where I do two twelve ounce. That's twenty four ounces a day. If she told me it's shooting your cortisol up, I'd call her a liar because I test my cortisol. I know it doesn't. You can't just assume caffeine sends everybody's cortisol through the roof. Some people it does. She's she's right. It could happen. But maybe we should test some of these things before we just blindly say stop drinking coffee. In fact, I'm going to tell you, yeah. drink more coffee with, well, not more, but drink your coffee with butter and coconut oil in it. Like, you know, yeah, we I, all I love. Do both of, I do both of those. Good. Both of those, yeah. Good, because neither one of those or the, I, I don't believe the caffeine is causing it. But if you wanted to know, the only way we would know is to do a cortisol test. And you can do them at home. I mean, you can get a home cortisol test. It's actually done over 24 hours, usually spit in a tube four times throughout the 24 hours and then you send it in and will your cortisol should be high in the morning and low at night and we know what the pattern should be so for her to say caffeine spikes your cortisol she can't say that she doesn't know she never tested yeah. it yeah okay she could be uh, right and if cortisol's up it is harder to get our cholesterol down that's why we talk about stress affecting it but it's not a one-size-fits-all. Lots of people drink caffeine and, and don't have high cortisol levels. Yeah. What she wants me to do now, and she's in the process of getting an appointment set up, and I thought I'd run this by you and see what she thought. She wants me to go to Mount Pleasant and take a two tests, one of them to see if I have plaque or not plaque. Yeah, maybe there's plaque in my veins around my heart. Yeah, okay. Like. Here, let me make and, a recommendation. And the other one. Let, okay. Before you even tell me, I, I know what's happening here and I know where this is going to lead. The problem okay. with these kind of tests, it, it's a calcium scan, basically. It, it's not that they're not accurate. They they are. It's not even a bad test. The problem is they they will use this test to lead you to another test and then another. That, and there's always something, one lab. more thing. We've got to check out, oh, look, we did find some plaque. Here's the other thing I've seen happen. You're in there for a plaque scan on your arteries, and because they happen to see a little tiny spot on your lung, oh, we need to go do some lung work now because it could be something. That, that's, so here's what I would recommend. Um, you've got some cholesterol issues. She's worried about plaque and cortisol and all kinds of stuff. If you want the real answers here, I have two options on how I do this. I don't like doctors. I don't like a lot of testing. I do it. I do a lot of it because of what I do so I can learn things. But for myself, um, 
I would just eat as clean as I possibly could. I would clean up the meat. I wouldn't eat out very often. I would watch the oils that, you know, I'm consuming, and I would just go on with life. If you're concerned and we, and, and we want to know, we can know. Um, it's probably going to cost you about three or $4,000 worth of the proper testing, not the crap they're going to go do, and I would only do it with Dr. Wolfson. Okay. And, and so another it, test you want me to take? Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I understand. Dr. Wilson, yeah, out of Phoenix. And, uh, yeah. So the other thing, and I've heard you talk about this, so I wasn't too much against this one. She wants to check my size particle on my cholesterol, if it's the big fluffy ones or the dense ones. That, and, well, good. Finally, I can praise her for something. Kudos to her for knowing that that test exists. And you are correct. With LDL of 205, we need to know what kind it is. Yeah. Okay. Your your LDL is the worst number I'm looking at. LDL of 205 is very elevated. Now, if it turns out it's mostly large and fluffy, we're probably not going to get too concerned. But this is where I'd, I'd really like to see Dr. Wolfson weigh in. Okay. All right. Um, and there's one other question on this that I had. Let me see. All right. While you're looking that My up, A1, I'm just going to let everybody back, back. know. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that okay. in just one second. I want to let everybody know. Um, what I'm doing today, I forgot to say goodbye to the uh, other listeners. I blew right through the top of the hour. Um, I'm just going to stay on until I uh, get through all these questions or somebody shows up at my coach. Um, I'm expecting somebody that could be here anytime. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to keep going because I still have a ton of questions. So, all right, your A1C was what? My, my A1C is 5.9. Uh, you're, you're getting a little up there. Um, nothing I'd be too concerned about. Do you test your own blood sugar? Uh, yes, some. Um, I would start uh, doing it you? more. What What's an average reading for you fasting in the morning? I, I don't do it fasting in the morning. I probably should, but I don't. Um, we, so that's the, that's do one it. of the most consistent numbers for us to watch. Once you start so, consuming I mean, food or you're awake and stress is happening, then numbers can just be all over the board. And if you give me a number and say I took that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, then I need to know yeah. what you ate that day, when you ate it, how much was it, were you stressed. So we really like that fasting number because it's our most consistent. So when you say fasting number or something I've been confused about, is that as soon as you get out of bed, walk in there yep. and do don't, it then? Don't even drink water. Yep, don't even drink water. Okay. Just get up okay. and take your blood sugar right away. Uh, and I will tell you okay. this. If you want that number to be lower, and we always do, um, the farther away from bed you eat your last meal, the better your fasting blood glucose is going to be. Okay. And a lot of times, were you, uh, I'm home. Were you ever diabetic? I'm home every night. Uh, no, but she says that I'm kind of getting pre-diabetic. Five five nine. That's why I said that. That's a little high, and for somebody who's eating carnivore, we need to figure out why. Shouldn't be there. Yeah. Okay. 
Maybe maybe do a, even a food journal if you're thinking some carbs might be sneaking in here and there. Um, could be stress, and stress may be the – I mean, she may turn out to be right on the cortisol thing, but and if it is cortisol, then we would say – I would say cut out one of your cups of coffee a day. Um, but it will not be just the caffeine, not even close. It's going to be other stressors in your life that's doing it. And this morning I had one cup, so I've kind of started already. Switch to bone. Switch to bone broth. You know, I, I do that still, also. I have a cup of that. Excellent. Too. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that we. It, I'm starting to think that she was kind of on the right track. Maybe she took the wrong path to get there, but. Um, there may be some stress issues going on. Yeah. Okay. And, but blood, I wouldn't worry I too much about blood. the caffeine. Okay, good. And I meant to ask her, and I didn't think of it, but does uh, this panel I'm looking at, does it have the type blood, like type O, type anything? Usually not. I've always wondered what, okay. Oh, that's something yeah, I'll have usually- to ask her then. Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of panels I look at don't have that. All right, we are going to uh, roll right through the calls here. Like I say, I've got plenty on the line. Uh, I'm actually going to just, I might as well sit here and talk to you guys while I'm waiting for somebody. Uh, let's go to Minnesota. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin, for taking my call. I missed your three hours, and one of those hours I was listening to Megan Kelly, and she interviewed somebody named Matt Walker. She called him the sleep study expert, and I just thought there's some very valuable things on that were said on that. I I probably wouldn't do it justice to repeat it to you, but you know, with a podcast, you can probably zoom through it in about you know 20 minutes or so and pick up all those good points. And one of the things hey, I always listen to. I I, I was just gonna say, and I don't. I know it probably sounds arrogant when I say this because I'm the guy that says read, research, learn. I, I, I don't think there's anything left for me to learn on sleep. I, I, I've listened to 10 experts on podcasts. I've read every book I can find. I've read all the research papers I can find. I could write the book on sleep, and it would probably help a lot of people. They're already out there. I mean, there's nothing new. Um, but I've, I've studied it so much I could write the book on all those things he's going to talk about. The, your sleep okay. hygiene, your uh, uh, light exposure, uh, every, I mean, I could write a book on sleep. I just wasn't well, able to use solve. Words like hunter, when they use hunter-gatherer words, and it's like, that's a, that's a trigger word for me. It's like, well, it's like, oh, well yeah. maybe he knows well, you. And, <laughs> well, and, and I'll, I'll tell you the things we've learned from hunter-gatherers around sleep. We should make sure that when the sun is coming up, we're awake. We should be up before the sun, slightly before, and we should be exposing our eyes to that light as the sun comes up. We should be looking right at the sun on the horizon. And that's what yeah. hunter-gatherers did. Uh, that's a sign That actually yeah. starts, we were just talking about cortisol. That actually starts raising our cortisol level to wake us up. It lowers our melatonin levels to wake us up. At night, when the sun goes down, we should be watching it, and that's a different band of light that actually starts to lower our cortisol levels and raise our melatonin levels to get us prepared for sleep. But after that point, 
we shouldn't be exposed to any kind of light. How many human beings do that in today's world? When the sun goes down, you don't expose yourself to any light anymore. Any light you expose yourself to after the sun goes down can start to interrupt your sleep cycle. So things like that daylight savings time, they actually are going to oh, they, they let make happen a mess of this it. time. They, they, they make a mess of it. Our, our circadian rhythm when they keep changing the clock. It's already bad enough that we live by a clock. As hunter-gatherers, we lived by the season and the sun. When it was dark, we weren't very active. When it was light, we were very active. That that has changed, and it's really difficult to overcome that in our modern world. That's just one thing. Um, there's a lot of other things we know about hunter-gatherers, temperature, all kinds of things. But again, I doubt that there's anything out there I haven't heard yet. Um, and the good okay. news, sort of good news, my sleep issue is resolving itself. But I don't know why. I thought if when you got back, maybe that <laughs> that what you found out was like, hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, I just uh, want to bring that. Oh, brag also. My doctor told me that uh, when I talked to him last, was like, you're probably more healthier than uh, than most. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. Now I'm not a uh, strict uh, on your thing, but I do pick up the things and I and the knowledge of what I know, what I learned from you. Then I then now I can make. Conscious decisions, well, if I do this, it's going to cause this. And so I can tell my doctor, well, I listened to this guy on the radio, and uh, he has many testimonies, and uh, and I try to get him to give you a chance, but he's a very busy doctor, and uh, so, but he knows my help. It's actually a big it's actually a big problem for our doctors today. They're way too busy with stuff that doesn't even matter to their patients. Paperwork, sales calls, all kinds of other crap. Uh, so, yeah, they're too busy to go out and be exposed to what they really should be learning. Let's go to North Dakota. Chris, welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, first, I wanted to tell you thank you for everything you've done. Uh, I hear it all would have been the end of 2020. I wound up getting COVID, felt like crap. Uh, I got through COVID. It wasn't too horrible there, but aches and pains and all kinds of stuff. I went in to get a DOT physical renewed, and I am 6'6", and I was 400 pounds. So I decided it was time to make a change, and I jumped on to nutrient-dense keto, and as of today, I am 270 pounds, and wow. I have not felt this good since high school. Wow. That's an incredible yeah, it, transformation. Congratulations. It is. Yeah, it's it's uh, probably the craziest thing that I've ever done, and about six months into it, I was having some digestive issues. I still felt good. I just had to stay close to a bathroom. So I went pure carnivore for about the last six months, and it's totally cleaned up any of that. My energy level is through the roof. Uh, my left arm, I broke both bones in my forearm. It's got eight plates and about 200 screws in it. I've got a couple crushed vertebrae. Um, I was pretty hard on my body for the first 36 years between football and dirt bikes, and it hurt to get out of bed. And since I started doing this, I feel like a million bucks. 
That is awesome. That, you know, we've always been told, oh, when you injure yourself like that, you're just going to pay for it the rest of your life. You'll be in pain. It, it's just not true. We have 50, yeah, 60, 70-year-olds that had pain for three decades, and now it's just gone. Yeah, it. it I, I don't know how else to explain it other than it's almost miraculous how all of this, uh, all of this pain and aches and everything that I just kind of learned to live with and power through, it just it just up and disappeared. Uh, I'm still losing weight at 270, but it's going off a lot slower now there for about the first six, eight months. Uh, I was pretty consistent at 10 to 12 pounds a month. Now it's down to about one to two pounds a month, but the energy keeps going up and keeps going up. And I, I see no downside to it at all. My wife was pretty concerned that I was killing myself because I was losing weight so quick. So I went in and had him do a full test, full blood work, all of that work up on me. And the doctor told me that my numbers were better than when I was 18 years old in high school. He asked me what I was doing. So I told him, and you'll love this. He followed it up with, well, that's not healthy for you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Look, your numbers are better than you were when you were 18. And that's all he has. Doctors live yep, and die yep. by their numbers, right? They, it, when, yep, when your when numbers he, are bad, they will use them to beat you over the head with them. Look at your numbers. You better take this drug. You're going to die if you don't. The numbers, numbers, numbers. Now, he just finishes saying your numbers are better than they were when you were 18, and then he follows it up with the most ignorant statement I've ever heard. <laughs> this isn't healthy for you. Are you kidding yep. me? And no, please I tell me how I, – here's, here's what I want to ask him. Please tell me how you determined this isn't healthy for me. I actually asked him that. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in your whole theory of ask why. And Good. so I, I looked at him and I said, now I'm a little bit confused here because uh, you just got done after running all your tests telling me how everything was good. You asked me what I was doing. I told you. You said, that's not healthy for me. I said, so why isn't it healthy for me and what should Perfect. I be doing? And he had this total blank stare on his face like, oh, my God, nobody has ever asked me a question like that before. <laughs> and after, after about 30 seconds, he, he kind of looked at me, and I was sitting there trying not to grin and smirk because I didn't right. piss him off, but it was funny. Right. And uh, he kind of looked at me for a little bit, and he said, you know, it's obviously working for you. I guess stick with it. Good, good. He had a moment of clarity because you forced him to think why, and he couldn't explain it because he doesn't know. And when he said this is unhealthy, that was just a knee-jerk reaction to what he's been told all his life and his career. It, so that's how powerful that question is. You learn within seconds. Does this person really understand what they just said to me, or are they just repeating something they've heard? And it was clear in this case. He had no explanation whatsoever. He doesn't. He, he admitted, I, I don't know what I'm talking about right now.
Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what it went down. But I wanted to tell you thank you because the information you put out there has absolutely improved my day-to-day unbelievably. Um, the other question I had for you, I'm trying to get my wife over onto this whole way of, of eating. Um, she's one of those people that it's always been gym, gym, gym. And she works out four days a week for about an hour and a half to two hours at a time, absolutely kills herself in the gym, and she's not losing any weight. She's got colds all the time. She just feels miserable, and I keep telling her, well, you need to come over. You need to do this. You need to do this, and she basically says it's got nothing to do with the food. And I'm at the point now to where I'm looking for any other ideas to get her to come over this way. So, Chris, this was a great call up until now. You asked me the one question I don't know how to answer. I just don't. (laughs) I, 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 I struggle with this because I think every human being, when they find something that is so life changing, first they want to share it with the people they love, the people closest to them. Then they want to start sharing it with everybody. I think that's just our human nature. We, we find something like this and we think, oh, my God, look what this did to my life. I, I want other people to experience this, especially our spouse. But it's the one I, I just don't know. I, I don't even have any good ideas. Or I, All I can do is say keep being a good example and don't push. Pushing always seems to make it worse. Even even when you try to, I'm going to say it really nice. I'm going to try to sneak something in. It almost never works. So all we well, can do that, is that's gonna, the point I'm at right now. Yeah, and it, I wish I, I, I keep, really I wish I had this. Push and it keeps getting worse. It, it will. So you, you got to back off. You got to stop mentioning food. Don't say, "Look at what I'm eating." Don't point out what she's eating. If I if I could get her to do one thing right now, especially with the weather, it's springtime, the weather's going to start getting nice, I wish she would give up her gym membership and however long it takes her to drive to the gym, work out, drive back home, take her shower, whatever, I wish she would just replace that with a nice walk outside. It oh, would she, do her far more good. That, she does that too. Uh, we live out in the well, country then, on a farm ranch. Then it's even She's got easier. a couple thousand acres. Then it's even easier. Yeah. She just needs to stop going to the gym completely. She doesn't need any more activity. She's getting too much. Okay. I'll, here, uh, I guess me, I have tried that approach. Let me clarify this. She's only getting too much activity because her nutrition is so poor. If you have good nutrition, it, there's no such thing as too much activity. We have people that can run 100 miles. There's a guy whose keto can run 100 miles in 12 hours, which is just freaking unbelievable for the human body and the amount of training he has to do to be able to do that. But we have to match that kind of intensity with enough nutrition to keep our body healthy. And she's eating the standard American diet. She's probably eating low fat. Not probably. I'll guarantee she's eating low fat. And because of that, she's overworking her nutrition. She doesn't have enough nutrition to maintain the kind of activity she's doing, and that's why she's getting unhealthier instead of healthier. 
Well, and I I can sit there and see it. Uh, I haven't had a single head cold. Everybody around me has been dealing with this whole COVID thing. All the guys I work with, it knocks them for a loop. They miss work. They do this. It has not affected me one bit through all of this, but I watch her and I can just tell day after day it's, that it's a down, downward okay. spiral, and I don't know that I'm capable of sitting there and not pointing it out, but at the same time, I don't want to fight about it all the time either. Uh, you got to back off. And sometimes, sometimes backing off actually is what will get them to start coming to you and ask. And then I'll even tell you, if you back off and she comes to you and asks... I want you to count to 10 before you respond, and I want you to go slow and don't overwhelm her. It'll be really tempting to jump in and go, you got to do this, 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 this. You got to stop doing that. This is this works. This, look, at, we, we all do it. So that's why I'm warning you. I've done, I still do it. I just did it to my whole family. I spent a whole week saying, I don't want to overwhelm you guys. They were asking, but you know, sometimes we can just be a little over eager. So um, I'm going to cut you loose. I got a ton of calls to get to, and I don't think I have a whole lot more time. That is a great story. I want to hear back from you, and I wish I had a better answer for you on helping other people with this. I just don't. Let's go to Illinois. Eric, welcome to the program. Man, the best thing that he could do is just like you said, be quiet and, and don't say anything until she asks. And when she asks, this phrase is a killer. Abs aren't made in the kit. Abs aren't made in the gym. They're made in the kitchen. You want me to cook for you? I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yep. Yep. That's, and I thought uh, and for off, sure. I thought for sure you were gonna. Hi- awesome. Yes. Yes. I thought for sure that you were gonna uh, hire that guy as your chauffeur. He lost how much you weigh. <laughs> I know. That Isn't is that ridiculous. So that is here's ridiculous. What it, if he were at the truck show, you know what I would do that would be funny? I would say, well, you have to carry me around on your back right. the entire truck show so <laughs> you remember what it feels like. That's right. That's right. Uh, the other guy, I thought you were going to uh, recommend to him uh, the book Overdiagnosed. Um, sounds to me like his uh, doctor is going to st- just start testing everything. Uh, I want to buzz through do. this real Real quick, so I kind of I'm kind of working backwards on your calls here. Uh, the definition of luck is preparation is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Um, so well, we'll wait just a minute. leave that there. Yep. No, nope. we're not going to leave that there. I'm going to add something nope. that makes it ten times more powerful. Oh, do it! I love a good quote. Yeah. So I love the way you said that. I haven't ever heard it said exactly like that. Luck is the intersection of preparation and opportunity, right? Yes. And then just add this. Opportunity always exists. Oh, this is true. This is true. So so uh, there's only one more piece. Action. If opportunity is always right there. All we just have to do is just go do the damn work. That's right. <laughs> Um, your OPS, the guy that's got the OPS that was doing the, um, uh, oil sample that has high viscosity and high and high oxidation. Oh, now I got to get back over in this lane here. Um, 
there's a problem that some people have when they do an install on an OPS system. Uh, they'll put a zip tie too tight on the supply line going to the OPS or the OPS itself will end up getting plugged. Uh, my suggestion to him is to take that uh, uh, bypass filter off, off of the filter head, put a bucket under there and start the truck. It'll, it's only supposed to move one gallon per hour. If it's only spitting out a quarter of a gallon or less, the the heater that's in there that will uh, that'll oxidize flash, it. Good point. Flash heat it. That'll oxidize it. But where's he getting his sample from? He's getting it right. from there as it's coming out. That will also raise the uh um. But wait a minute. Viscosity a, a little bit. My my pet talk is always before the filter, not after. Right, but it's at the it's at the heater. Uh, yeah, I think this is a good idea. We might as well explore this because I had no idea. So yeah, you're right. The oxidation clearly could be coming from the OPS. That's a that's a good point. We just don't seem to have enough oxidation that it would. Like I said, eighteen eighteen point three. I don't know that I've ever seen oil be that high. That's like one of the highest yeah. readings I've ever seen. Yeah, that's really high. I think they might have put the. I, well, he says he's doing his own oil changes, so. I know that was my concern that somebody put some really, really bad oil in this thing out of a gun somewhere. But he does all his own. It's poured out of the bottle. He's got three years worth of history. There's just something odd about this. But I like the idea. We should check that OPS. That's a good point. Yeah, I would I would make sure that it's flowing the full the the full you know gallon per hour. I'd run it for half yeah. hour and, and do a half a gallon. I don't think I would do a full hour sitting there watching yeah. it the whole time. Good. Uh, Good but point. the reason that I the reason that I called was uh, yesterday's show. You had somebody call in and say that uh, using they use the bathroom more when they're taking the uh, uh, that heart Card supplement. What is it? Cardio miracle. Cardio miracle. Well, we know how how the body hydrates, right? So if you drink a bunch of water at one time, your body's just going to disperse that water, get rid of it, and use very little of it. But if you if you sip and drink all day, then then your body will absorb it better. Uh, I think that part is of a the problem is when when these people are doing this, they're they're chugging down the whole bottle uh, the whole glass all at once that is a good point about hydration you're right you if you are dehydrated if you allow yourself to become dehydrated you can't drink enough water in an hour to fix it, it that's too short of a time period i don't care how much you drink it's going to run right through you it takes four to six hours to overcome well, that dehydration takes... and or longer yeah, at least four to yeah, six. I was going to say of, sometimes of, it takes days. Yeah, I've I've had it take days. I just went through that when I first started traveling on this trip. I just was not drinking during the day like I normally do. So you're right. That's another good point. Spread out that water throughout the whole day. Well, that's all I had. I'm going to put together another video about this uh, Volvo. Uh, 
push for your, uh, uh, what do you call it, the uh, cruise control. This cruise control thing just keeps coming off, so I'm going to make a video about that. Uh, oh, good. I think it's going to be okay. pretty good stuff. I think some people are going to learn some stuff. Um, Excellent. I do have, I do have uh, a question about uh, when are we going to get more people in here so that I can start answering more questions. It's uh, it, it's it's a lot slower than it was. Uh, the tribe, you mean? Oh yeah, it, it's it, I know. it's not near as active as it used to be. I mean, it was more active a week ago than it is than it is today or yesterday. It died off, I, and I don't know what that is because you're right. It was you know it it was a little slow before. Trucking tribe has always been way slower than healthy tribe, but it started to pick up then. We got blasted with a whole bunch of new people, and it was really picking up. But this week, it's just kind of died off. Oh, that was kind of interesting. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll keep Thanks. an eye on that. No, it, it, the membership is growing. That's always good. We've got to get more people active. Let's, uh, let's go to Oregon this time. Keith, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? What's on your mind today? Um, I have a friend of mine that started doing keto, and she said her hair started falling out. And I heard that from another person on Facebook that they started keto, and their hair fall, fell out, but it grew back. Is that something that's common? Uh, it seems to be uh, fairly common on what we would call dirty keto. Um, okay. And... And there's a lot of dirty keto going on out there. We can even explain why this happens. And, um, on dirty keto, the biggest reason is going to be deficiencies in vitamins and minerals. And it's why we develop nutrient-dense keto. You know, you, you should either be eating what might be considered low-carb paleo or nutrient-dense keto. Low-carbon keto is excellent for losing weight and improving our metabolism. But you could lose weight and improve your metabolism and eat nothing but bacon and butter. You would lose weight. Your, your diabetes would go away. Your joint pain would probably go away. You're also going to develop some other problems because that diet is too limited. So you're not getting enough nutrients. You're getting fewer nutrients than people get on the standard American diet because a lot of our food, even though it's not the best, it's fortified. So, and and you do get more variety when people go keto. If they go too low variety, the food quality is poor. We see some things like this. So, it, it, she just needs to lean towards nutrient density. Um, I need to. Uh, I need to put you on hold. I'm getting a ton of feedback from your line. Uh, I'm going to mute you. For, yeah, I, I'm going to mute you. You should still be able to hear me, but I'm getting a ton of feedback from your line. So this is a matter of nutrient density. She needs to add more things like sardines, salmon, tuna, liver, heart, organ meats. Um, we don't have to go to a ton of vegetables at all. We don't have to add carbohydrates. That's not the issue. The issue is simply nutrient density. She, she just needs more nutrients when she's eating keto. 
and I'll let you respond to that now. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. And I was curious because I've got you on the, the system with the Bluetooth in the truck, and I was wondering what the sound quality was. But that did answer my question completely, and I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, fairly common. I mean, and there are a couple other explanations, but for the most part, this just comes down to nutrient density. Let's uh, let's go to Oklahoma. Doug, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I uh, I have some questions about making uh, making the yogurt. I like what when you when we use, uh, for instance, like half and half. The the yogurt in the process is using the sugars. What happens to the sugars? Do they go away? Does it? No, they get converted to lactic acid. That's what gives you the the tart taste is the lactic acid. So the same thing, a, a similar process happens in all fermentation. The bacteria consume sugars and carbohydrates, and depending on what bacteria or yeast or fungi, what we get. So in alcohol, when we use a yeast to ferment, the yeast consumes the sugar and converts it to alcohol. Um, making beer was a process that really helped me learn a lot of this. When you start making beer, the first thing you mix up is what's called the wort. W-O-R-T, and it's basically a liquid that you cook out of the grain. You cook all of the sugar out of the wheat or barley or whatever you're making your beer with. You cook that down into this super, super sweet wort. Like, it, it's, it's, you wouldn't believe how sweet it is. And it's another reason, okay. even even after in beer making, even after the yeast does all of its job and it converts as much of that sugar as it possibly can, in beer making, there's still some sugar left. And beer is actually way too sweet at that point. That's where we put in hops. Hops are very bitter, really bitter. So hops help balance out the sugar that's left. In winemaking, we can go even further with fermentation so we can ferment a really dry wine if we do it right. But some wines are still really sweet because not all the sugar was converted. The same process happens in, in all culturing and fermentation. The bacteria convert sugars to something. Uh, in alcohol, it converts it to alcohol. And carbon dioxide, that's why beer is fizzy. Uh, we can do the same thing. That's how we make champagne. We add a little more yeast into the bottle after we've made wine. We cork it so that, that carbon dioxide can't escape, and now we have sparkling wine or champagne. Um, okay. Same thing can happen in your, your vegetable ferments. That's why we have vented lids so we don't build up too <laughs> much pressure in there. We blow a jar apart. So the the right. bacteria on the vegetables naturally starts consuming the sugar and converting it to lactic acid. Okay. So now I thought I heard uh, you'd say once before on the El Ruderai, uh to to make, for instance, uh, you've made a batch, now you're making your second batch. Take the culture, 
about two tablespoons of culture? And did I hear you say that you took two, uh, two tablespoons of the whey also? No. Did I mishear that? Not, n- not also. Either or or any combination works. Oh. So any part of your prior batch of yogurt, the whey, the curds, the two combined, it all has bacteria in it. All we're trying to do okay. is get that bacteria into our next batch. I use just whey if I have whey because it's kind of like a waste product for me anyway. I strain the whey out of my yogurt to get it nice and thick. So why would I waste you know, two tablespoons of yogurt on my next batch when I'm going to throw away the whey anyway? Use that. Oh. It's all got bacteria in it, and that's all we care about. Okay. So the way is not uh, – I've never been really square on is is the way – is whey protein good for you or is whey protein bad or is there good and bad whey protein? There, some people are going to tell you that there's good and bad whey protein, and that's true. There are different forms. There are different – it's like almost every food product. So there's going to be quality differences. The reason you don't hear me talk much about it is because I don't understand why we focus on whey protein or protein supplements of any kind, period. Why are we even talking about it? We can get all the protein we need from our diet. My God, we're eating carnivore. How much more protein do we think we need? (laughs) Now, Now we're putting yogurt on top of carnivore. Yogurt's almost pure protein and fat. So I, I don't understand this whole idea of supplementing protein. Right. So the the way when we're making, for instance, the El uh I got a quarter of a jar, uh, uh, and I did it I because I was confused and don't didn't I did not want to use half and half. I was trying to use the the best milk that. Uh, I could start with, and I'll just keep milk making it from that because I didn't understand really the sugar content on the finished product, and I didn't want that sugar. But now I understand that I could use a quality half and half and a quality uh, like an A2 milk. And oh yeah, I I use the the I could use the whey to make my next batch. Yes. So I I messed that up. I you know I, I I'm doing it with a suvit and I uh, I I poured out all that good way. Oh, and that's I fine. Took the good stuff you'll have more. <laughs> yeah. you, you'll, you'll I have do. More, yeah. Right. So yeah, it. I just made my. If you are concerned about the carbohydrates and the sugars left, then there will be some left. Even when we ferment this long, there's some left. All, virtually all of it is in the way. So the more way you're able to strain out, even when I use half and half and there's no separation, it just looks like nice thick creamy yogurt right in the jar, I still strain mine for 24 hours. And I do get way out of it. And to me, the more way we can get out of there, the more I like the yogurt because it just gets thicker. But it's also yeah. that is lowering the carbohydrate count. Because that's where the carbohydrates are going to be in the way. Okay. Okay. So, is there a every time you 
every time, so if I t- just took the curds off the top and made my second batch, I'm also reducing my carbohydrates that I'm getting out of the final project. Is uh, that correct? Yeah. Yeah, sort of, but if you just follow the process that we strain every batch, no matter how thick and creamy we think it came out, throw it in the strainer for 24 hours, you'll get some whey out of it. Now the whey, just throw that in the freezer if you want. I mean, you'll end up with more whey than you know what to do with. I I was like, I had gallons of the stuff around. I'm dumping it on my garden, <laughs> and, you know, putting it on diesel's food, Um <laughs> so whatever I would hey this is uh this is a call I'm looking for so I'm gonna have to uh okay put I'm gonna have to drop this call and I'm going to uh take a break 